Hi, and welcome back to Jewish Thought Flow. This is another conversation with Avi. Today we're going to be discussing one of the oldest and most well-known and simplest proofs of God, the teleological proof. The most unsophisticated way of saying this proof is go outside, open your eyes, and look at the world around you. Look at the trees bearing fruit, bearing flowers, the grass growing, cars, human beings with their ingenuity. Look at that world and ask yourself the following intuitive question. Does it feel like this world was created, orchestrated, or does it feel like this could have happened randomly? Right, so there's, there's many ways you can kind of see this happening, right? You can see it in nature, where nature is, is so, you can look at the beauty, the beauty of the trees, the beauty of rivers, the beauty of oceans. Uh, you know, that feeling you get when you see something really majestic, like a, a beautiful mountain, the Atlantic Ocean, something like that. I don't think I've seen, have I seen the Atlantic Ocean? Yes, where, yes. Where is the Atlantic That's Ocean? On the east side of New York. Yeah, yeah. New York's the Atlantic. I think yeah, Florida's so it's, the it's, Atlantic also. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm sure the other oceans are also beautiful. Um, and then within your personal life outside of nature, uh, you know, the interactions you have with people, the fact that people are around, the the tremendous wisdom that has come out of men. You know, looking around the room, we see tons of books filled with knowledge and wisdom about the world and about just thought. And all of that kind of points to, I don't really feel like this happened by itself. I don't think it could have happened by itself. And that's a very natural feeling one would get. And I think it comes from our experience um, because, again, all of our thoughts really come from uh, our experience and basic you know, rules of logic. But if you look at the world around you and you see things uh, that are ordered, right, even take within our world. So this is one of the classic examples. But if you're you know, walking in the forest and you see twigs that have been placed in a nice symmetrical pattern or in words, um, your intuition is that somebody put it there. It didn't fall off a tree naturally. But if it fell in any, you know, sort of way of gibberish where it's not beautiful, not symmetrical, um, or not conveying any meaning, uh, then your your mind opens itself up to saying, okay, I don't think anybody put it here this way. What's the difference is that is that design looks designed. I know that's a very simple way of saying that, but that's what it is, is that when something looks designed, uh, we generally think it is designed. The world certainly looks designed. Right. So this this was a formulation that was uh, put forth in the 19th century by somebody named Haley. Um, and he basically gave an analogy of the watch found in the woods. So if you're walking through the woods, and I know you just gave the analogy of, of sticks in a pattern, but he gave a much more complicated example, which is further illustrates the point or better illustrates the point, which is a watch. You see a watch in the woods. Nobody's going to think, oh, well, that probably came about naturally. You know, the, the different metals and the things, you know, happen to be a certain shape, sizes. They all came together, and now they're a functioning watch. Nobody would actually think that. Uh, so, so to the world, which is infinitely more complex, I mean, near infinitely more complex than a watch. So that, too, must have been designed. I'll give you another, I guess, intuitive example. We're speaking words right now, and we're trying to give over a cogent, comprehensive argument if we were randomly selecting letters and sounds, would you expect it to sound like this, or would you expect it to more sound like, blah, 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 and that wasn't even randomly selected? Right. See so, the difference? Yeah, that's a that's actually another another illustration given would be the monkeys with the typewriters. Um, how 
long would it take a room full of monkeys to randomly type out a coherent book, right? So if you see a book, it probably wasn't written by a bunch of monkeys randomly typing away. It was probably written by somebody who had the thought and the, the foreknowledge to be able to write this. Now, this, this uh, beauty and pattern we see in the universe is not just simply uh, in you know the way it looks, but also the more scientists uh, discover our world and the more they investigate our world, the more order they see. They see underlying rules that have tremendous pattern and symmetry and order. They see uh, the more they understand about organisms, the more complex uh, and fine-tuned they are. And basically, everywhere they look, they see more and more fine-tuned mechanisms that are creating all of this beauty that we see externally. Now, we're not getting into any specific examples or discussions because it's a it's a universally understood idea, which is called the, uh, it could be known as the Anthropic Principle. People know it by different names. There's a great book called Modern Physics and Ancient Faith, which, go, you know, spends 200 pages going through this. But it's a, it's a well-known thing that's accepted universally, which is that um, the world we see is incredibly fine-tuned. Not just the world, the universe we see is incredibly fine-tuned, incredibly exact, um, and incredibly uh, calibrated to creating the world, the universe that we see. It's not like it could be anything and it would be like this. It is a very specific format that causes very specific results, meaning the universe had to, the law, underlying laws have to be a certain way, and the matter has to act a certain way in order for us to have the universe we have today. So this is, again, just taking the same examples we were given earlier and making a little more uh, meta, which is that if you had to look at this universe, this incredibly complex universe, and you said, well, could this have come about randomly out of the you know near infinite options of how laws could have been or how uh, matter could have been or how it could have ended up looking at the end? Or is this orchestrated, designed? I mean, it seems highly calibrated. The more we look, the more highly calibrated it looks in order to produce this specific result. So if I think uh, you know, uh, twigs in a certain format or words in a certain format in a sentence uh, connotes a designer or design or intent, so then how much more so when I look at the universe and see how calibrated and, you know, way more complex it is than a simple watch or a simple formation of sticks, would I think that, well, there must be a designer because it's coming out to a very, very specific result from a near, you know, endless set of options. I think that principle is really the underlying principle of this proof, right? Which is, if I have a large set of options and I have one specific result occur, in order for that specific result to have occurred randomly, then in order to get from the large subset of options to the specific option, I would have to be very, very lucky. In order to get from the large set of options to the specific options, if I'm not using randomness, if I'm using intent, then I don't have to be very, very lucky. I just have to be very, very intentful. So we take with our words, right? We're speaking right now. If this was a script that was written out by monkeys, right, which would be randomly typing on, on a keyboard to come up with this script, that would be a large amount of options, right? They can type anything. And it came out to a very specific set of sentences and set of paragraphs. That's very specific. That would be impossible to imagine or highly unlikely to imagine to have randomly. However, if I said, well, our producer wrote a script for us to speak out, and you're right, he had near endless set of options of letters he could have picked in any order, but he picked them with an intent, then it's you don't have to be very lucky in order to have the script we have. It just has to be very intentful. He wanted to write it in this way. So I like everything you've been saying, but I think there's one part that I want to push back on a little, which is you mentioned that, you know, the the large set of possibilities and then one specific outcome but 
it seems like any large possibility of outcomes will produce a specific outcome. In other words, if you have monkeys typing out, they are going to produce a specific text. Now, if that text will make sense or not is, is a different question, but anytime you have a large amount of options, one of the options will come true. So let's just, let's just take a, a, a very basic analogy. Um, let's talk about a lottery, right? So it's very unlikely you're going to win the lottery. But somebody wins the lottery every single time the lottery comes about, or whatever. Well, it's every, hundred percent likely somebody will win the lottery. Yeah, uh, not hundred percent. It's very likely, but it's not hundred percent. Oh, I'm saying not. You could lose. I'm it saying that let's times. say there was a, a just a straight up raffle. You picking one of them, everybody put in a name. Then it's hundred yeah. percent likely someone will win. Someone no matter how many names you have in it, no matter how unlikely it is for an individual to win, it's hundred percent likely that a individual will win. So why don't we say the same thing with the universe? Uh, yeah, it's very unlikely for a particular universe to come about, but a universe is probably likely to come about, and we're just in, happen to be in that universe. We happen to be the people who were able to appreciate this. So we assume, oh, like you know, it's crazy. We're the we're the one who did it, but somebody had to do it. So maybe that's just us. So I'll push back back at you. Let's take the um the stick example. You know, you walk in the forest and you see sticks that fall out in the pattern that says, help, I'm lost in the forest. Now, sticks have to fall off. I mean, they do fall off trees, right? It has to be some conflagration of, of sticks. A fire? A fire of sticks? Confl- conflagration is fire? Configuration. Configuration. Yeah, yeah con- so some conglomerate. Con- configuration of, of sticks, right? I and mean, they're going to fall some manner. So would you say that, well, it's equally likely that it fell in this manner as any other manner? No. So why not? not? So I would say that the difference over there is, I would say twofold. So I'll start with the first one. Um, In my experience of twigs falling, they generally fall out in random, nonsensical patterns. I wouldn't say I have experience of universes forming such that this would appear to be an unlikely event. So just just to explain that a little more. You're suggesting that because this universe is very, let's say, highly uh, functional and it would be, quote unquote, unlikely to happen randomly. Therefore, it's more likely to have happened with particular intent. Uh, So I'm just saying that, well, the universe had to come about in some way. We really don't know how other options of universes work out. So maybe this was the only way that this universe could actually work out. In other words, maybe the the laws of nature as they are could only produce one universe. And yeah, that universe will look to be unlikely because if you don't know the laws, you know, everything kind of looks unlikely. Like, for example, let's just say, uh, let's say I had a box of marbles, right? And I shake up the box and tilt it to one side. So they'll, they'll all form this perfect kind of grid-like pattern i mean so somebody doesn't understand gravity would be like whoa what are the chances that you shook it up and it ended up so beautiful and then the scientists would be like you fool you know this is the only way it could have turned out because that's how the the laws of gravity work so maybe the laws of the universe are such that yeah it produces this beautiful functional universe this amazing perfect place for us to live but that's how it had to be so it's not like it was random and we're like oh what are the odds the odds are 100 because Beautiful laws produce beautiful planets. So I, th- I think you're getting one step ahead of yourself. So the first thing you asked, and I think you switched your question midway, 
um, the first thing you asked was, how do we know that this is a specific result, right? Because we, we asked like in the lottery, somebody has to win the lottery. So it's not a low probability chance that somebody wins the lottery. So some universe had to have been formed, let's pretend. So granted, this particular format of the universe is one out of, you know, 100 trillion. But every single one by itself is one out of 100 trillion. So no matter what universe would come out, it would have been a low probability event, just like no matter who wins the lottery for him, it's a low probability event. But for the lottery, it's 100%. So it's in our universe, no matter what universe comes out, it may be low probability for that specific universe, but it's 100% probability that some universe would come out. So to that, I would say, well, we can clearly see the difference between the one option and any of the other not options. And that's why I said with the sticks, right? If you're walking in the forest and you see sticks that fell, so granted, no matter what the con configuration of those sticks are, it's a one in a trillion chance because sticks can fall in any way. And when you just compound it with multiple sticks in any one of multiple uh, locations slash, you know, angles they're at and which direction they're facing. I mean, the, the ma mathematical numbers go, go to ridiculous proportions, right? But it has to fall some way. So it's 100% it's going to fall a random way. But if I see it fell into letters, then all of a sudden, it's not it had to fall in some way. This is the one in a trillion ways it would have fell that also happens to look like it would have been ordered. Let me give you an example by the lottery. Let's say I had a lottery and there's 100 million people in this lottery or 100 billion people in this lottery, okay? Now, if somebody won, I wouldn't say, well, it must be rigged because 100 billion, 100 billion, 1 in 100 billion is such a low probability. So must have been rigged because who would win 100, 1 in 100 billion? Why wouldn't you say that? Because there's no specific specificity to this one in 100 billion per person winning. So what happened is actually a 100% chance event. Somebody won the lottery because somebody had to have won the lottery. Now let me give you a different scenario. Let's say the person who was in charge of picking the numbers, okay? His wife won. Well, his wife's one of the 100 billion people. So, you know, the same way anybody else could have won, she could have won. That's true. But if she won, it's no longer anybody could win. Because in order for that scenario to play out, which happens to correlate to what looks like an intentful act, you have to have landed on the 1 in 100 billion specifically. Because if it fell out in any one of the other options, it wouldn't look like this. Meaning well, there's a common denominator to all other options that this does not share. If it fell out on a random person, then there's nothing that that person doesn't share with everybody else in the group. If it fell out on a specific person, which implies intent, there's something they don't share with anybody else in that group. There's only one person who's the wife of the person picking the lottery who could have finagled it for that woman. So too with the sticks. You're right. Sticks could fall out in any configuration. But you know what the common denominator between every one of those configurations are? It's not intentful. It's not intelligent. It's not giving off a specific meaning. There's only one of them, one configuration that will give off the words help a moss and a farce. It also happens to be the one configuration that would make sense, that would make sense if somebody had configured it. Right, but let, I guess, okay, I guess well, there's one. Well, let me take it to the universe now just quickly yeah. to just close it out. Is that it's not like we see a specific form of the universe that doesn't differentiate from any other form of the universe. We're seeing a universe where everything comes together to culminate in an ordered, highly ordered universe that allows for conscious beings to not only study that universe, predict that universe, manipulate the universe, and 
and act within that universe and live within that universe, which are all the things you would predict if there was a god that created it. Because if a god created a universe, what you'd expect to find is conscious beings that could serve him. You know, those are, in are intuitive things you would expect to find. If it were to fall out in any other way, that wouldn't be possible. So you're right. If it fell out in any random way, then I would agree. It's the same probability as anything else, and 100% probability has to fall out in some way. The problem is, is it fell out in the one way that would make sense if it was intentful. The one way that does differentiate it from every other option. So that's why I don't think it, it's a fair comparison. Right, so that, that is kind of why I switched a little bit uh, in the question to the second half of the question, um, which was maybe the laws would force this outcome. But before I get there, I just want to clarify one point. So you mentioned that if the pick of the lottery, his wife was the one who won, so that would that would create a link to the person manipulating the situation and the result of the situation, right? And that allows us to supersede what otherwise would have been the random chance and assume that it was rigged. Well, I think more than that, it also is an indicator of a specific result, a result that differentiates itself from the other 999 trillion or 99 trillion uh options or whatever the number was you know one less than 100 billion options right but but there's there's one other variable which i think you have to take into account um which is what is the ability of him rigging this lottery if it's an unriggable lottery it doesn't matter even if his wife won then we'd have to say well that's insane luck it's not just one in a billion you can say that the 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 fact that it's his wife makes it even less likely well i think it makes it the one in a billion because it's a it's a unique scenario it's a unique format that separates itself from all the other formats yeah fine but if it's impossible to rig the situation then we wouldn't assume yeah so, so if rigging so, the situation is lo less likely than getting the one in a hundred billion win then you're right so back back to the so i guess this is why i never really thought of this as a a hundred percent proof it's more of a, a rational proof than a than a logical demonstration because whatever your level of acceptance of a god is that would depend on how much this proof would sway you in other words let's say let's say i'm just going to make up numbers let's say it's a one in a billion chance that the world would come about randomly and there's and you have a in your mind you're like i don't fully i'm not sure if i believe in god whatever i'm like like 10 percent sure so then you're matching up 10% to 0.00001%. So obviously the 10% is more likely than the 0.0001. But if you're a full atheist and you're coming into the equation with there's no chance that there's a god, then this proof wouldn't work for you. Well, I mean, obviously, if you close off one of the options of the, of the discovery, you can't discover it. Um, you know, that, that would be like saying, I think you've said this before, but, you know, uh, Assuming I can't go left, should I go right or left? Um, so obviously you can only go right if you can't go left. Uh, so saying, assuming there's no God, you know, how can I prove God if the assumption is there's no God? But yes, I think I what wanna... most, most atheists would say is that the reason why they don't believe in God is there's no indication for God. Um, if you're leaving it like that, like there's no indication for God, that's not true. There's a nine, you know, 999 billion versus one in a billion indication, one in a hundred billion indication of of God. Right. So I want to get into this a little bit more, and we're going to get more into it later on when we discuss more of the, the quote unquote scientific response. But just as like kind of a, a, a preface to that whole discussion, 
it has to be understood that scientists, you know, a lot of you might be thinking, oh, you know, science have dealt with this. They're, they explain how it happens, why it happens. And we're going to get into that in a second when when you respond to my claim that maybe the laws were such that it necessitated this. But just like in our discussion, which we just had, where if you shut off one of the options, obviously the only other option that remains is going to be the conclusion. Um, so this is, you know, unquestionably and it's not denied by the scientists, but this is how scientists approach all areas of science, right? Is that we can't assume God is the answer to anything because otherwise what's the, you know, what's the purpose of the scientists? I'm trying to figure out why this is. And if there's a God involved in, in the creation of this, well, that kind of negates my field. Um, and it's not like a, it's not like, Oh, I need, I need my field to be here. So I'm not going to assume there's a God. It's just that that's kind of one of the premises of science is we're going to assume there's no God. Now, can we explain this? Well, I also think it's been helpful because, uh, you know, there's certain points where if you throw in God while it being true is not, is not, um, helpful. So for example, if, if I said, well, why do headaches happen? Right. I, I once asked Reuven, um, Oh, he, he asked me, I think, uh, why do fruits come from? Maruvin's my son, my five-year-old son. So, well, he was four at the time, and now he's six, actually. Uh, so he asked me, um, I think it was, how do trees grow, or how, how do fruits come out of trees? Um, and I didn't know the answer, so I said, well, Shem makes it happen, which is true. It's not a false answer, um, but it's also not an exact answer, because you, what you're really asking is not, is not you know, what's the underlying mechanism which allows all other mechanisms to work? The, the question is, what is the specific mechanism that allows fruit to grow from tree that doesn't allow fruits to grow from a chair um, or the ground? Right, and, and understanding that ground, but is like, very helpful to farmers, you know? Right, okay, so, so if, if, you know, science has stopped and going like, well, the reason why uh, fruits grow from the tree is because, I oh, just want to finish that story, Reuven had no problem accepting that at all. He was like, okay, makes sense. Um, which is just a beautiful part about children is that they don't, you know, they don't, even for me, um, and I believe in Hashem, you know, God a hundred percent, but if somebody had said that it's not satisfying, why? Because I, I need, wherever I could make it make sense, I want it to make sense for a child though, you know, the simple faith carries them through all, all aspects of their life. Um, so, but in truth, if we had just stopped that discussion and gone like, yeah, you know what, the reason why trees come out of a, a fruit come out of a tree is because God made it that way. I would never be able to uncover the, you know, how the mechanism of fruits coming from trees actually works. And therefore, I would never be able to improve on farming techniques. I wouldn't be able to predict, you know, if, if we're going to have a good yield in this year's agriculture or not. And those things are what led to improvements in agriculture. Is if you understand the process, you understand uh, how you can fix that process or improve that process. So not using God as the answer um meaning the God of the gaps. I mean, I don't understand how this mechanism works. Therefore, I'm going to say God did it, has been helpful in uncovering, you know, how to do things up to a certain point. But at a certain point, the answer is going to be God because it can't go infinitely, you know, it's another physical cause, another physical, eventually it's going to be God. So at that point, to not allow God to be the answer at any point means you're not allowing one of the mechanisms which is a possibility to be the mechanism right. and it's not even going to help you anymore because you get to the point where god start the world ends and god starts there's nothing more you can manipulate about that so even the claim that well it's helpful to always find the cause is not going to be true when there isn't a physical cause because there's nothing you could do about that physical cause if it doesn't exist right and i just want to i want to broaden i want to broaden that a little bit and say it doesn't even have to be where science ends and god begins it could be where science ends and you know metaphysical powers begin 
um, different influences in the world which are beyond the empirical tools of science, those would also be beyond what a scientist was capable of. And when the scientist does pass into that uh, field, quote unquote, it actually becomes damaging to the development of the world because they're going to be proposing kind of far-fetched theories to explain something which could be explained very simply just because they have thrown out that option. So just as an example, and we're not going to get into this at all, but um, right now, but like evolution, for example, the reason the theory of evolution relies on such kind of far-fetched, unproven claims and they stick with it is because that's the only way we can imagine life evolved on Earth without a God. With a God creating life forms, which is what, you know, the Bible tells us happened. So then you, you don't need evolution. And therefore, all their, their scientific, you know, mumbo jumbo trying to explain how evolution is working is all based on this thrown out one of the options. So just to bring it back to, to our discussion about this proof of God. Yes, if you have completely thrown out the possibility of a God irrationally thrown it out and there's nothing that can uh prove it other than like a logical demonstration there's no level of rationality which will sway you then this proof isn't going to work we're talking to the type of person who would be swayed by the type of rationale that influences every other decision in his life right so it's like a sherlock holmes said uh the famous philosopher and uh, detective and uh, heroin addict of the 1800s um when you throw out the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. So if if God is already impossible and you throw that out, then yes, even if what remains is a one in a hundred trillion chance, no matter how improbable, it must be true because there is no other option. So I think if that's where you're at already, then obviously a proof of God is not going to help you because you can't prove something that's impossible. Um, but if you haven't already gone to that step and you're just saying – I'm not going to assume there's a God because I don't see any evidence for him. I don't see any, any indication of him. So then listen closely because here's the biggest indicator you're ever going to have. Because without God in the picture, you're looking at the most unlikely set of circumstances. And anything in life you prove that's not rigidly logically proven is based on probability. Right. All the knowledge in your life is because the other option is so unlikely. Right. Even, even the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now, you know, you could be going through some delusion where you're imagining it, but you're not going to live your life based on that assumption, even though that is probably more likely than the world coming here on its own. And this is, again, this is for getting the, the logical, purely logical first cause proof. This is just based on what we see, uh, what we know or assume to be, to be the probability of the world coming about. And the reason I say assume is, again, because, well, you still haven't answered my question. Maybe the laws are such that this is the only universe and a functioning universe is the only universe that could come about. In other words, it's not like the tree, the, the twigs falling are going to be falling randomly. And therefore, if it came out in a, a purposeful message, that's probably unlikely. Uh, let's say it was falling through a, <laughs> I was going to say a designed uh, well, windfall, but uh, you know, just a, it was falling through some sort of, uh, well, I think you're reaching the you're coming to the a bit of the problem here. So the question you're basically asking is is uh you know we don't really understand the underlying laws of the universe. We we see things, we draw conclusions, we come up with theories. What if we figured out that there's this like beautiful simple law that explains every movement we have in our universe and shows how it couldn't be any other way. The only way it possibly could be is this way. So it's not a large set of options that end up in a specific set. There's just one option, this one. 
Well, I don't think that gets you out of the problem. So let me ask you this. Is there a infinite amount of possible laws of the universe? If yes, then the fact that we got to this specific law that creates the universe that we have today um, is the same problem. How do we get from that infinite amount of options that would end up in all sorts of chaos to the one specific option that ends up in the beautiful order that we have it? And if you say no, then you're claiming that there's just one force in the universe for no reason whatsoever, but there's just a force in the universe that, oh, just so happens to create conscious beings who are the one type of beings that would be able to facilitate a religion and serving God and a relationship and all those nice things that we associate with order. That, to me, is a much bigger indication of a designer than anything else. I mean, there's one level of design, which is to take a bunch of options um, and distill it down, meaning the options are beyond you, and then to distill it down to one specific option. Another designer is, is that which would bring that one option into existence. You think it's like randomly that there's just one, or not even randomly, it has to be. Right, there so has just, to have been a law that would create perfect the, uh, conscious humans. Let me take you through the, the atheist perspective. So it'd be so you have this, you know, all the matter in the world is confined to this infinitesimally small, actually no space, space, whatever. That's how it works. All of a sudden, randomly, this thing. Well, not randomly. Not randomly. The universe itself is always going to do this. It's always going to create right. conscious humans. Right. The universe has this this cause in it, which causes this thing or non thing, all the matter in this non thing, non space, to explode out and create space and time. And then through that, different molecules start forming. Again, all run by this singular, random law, which produces planets and Earth and life, and led to us sitting here in this room producing this podcast based on this one law. And that, that my friends, is a much more rational explanation than a god in a similar manner that explaining the watch that you found a thing where you go like oh well there's probably a watch factory that produces these watches and that's how the watch got here but that watch factory was not designed by anybody so it's kind of it's kind of where i was like struggling with the question where i was trying to say a way that it maybe there's a way that the twigs naturally fall in a designed way but trying to avoid having a designer be the one who's designed it to fall randomly well, in that me, way let me spell it in, in this way it, it a law sounds simple, right? You go, well, no, there's just this one simple law. Well, guess what? That law is not simple because that law is going to cause this result. So it means built into the law is the end result. So it's not a simple law. It's a incredibly highly calibrated law. As far as of all the possible laws that could have been chosen, or chosen, I use in quotation marks, and all the possible laws that could have been, there happened to be this one unique law that would cause all the order, including the conscious order, that we see all the way at the end. So that is like building a twig receptacle so that the twigs fall in a way that says help them lost, because it's a law, but that law has been is formed in a way that it draws on the matter of the universe to create a perfect picture. You're telling me that law is somehow not, doesn't need to be explained? The picture needs to be explained. But if I have a law that will make pictures, that doesn't need to be explained, right? So let's let's, let's take it let's take it through now that we're I think we're coming to the end of the conversation. So so why don't you give over what the options are? Actually, wait, I have one more question to ask you, okay. which is very simple. A very simple way to get out of this whole issue is we live in one universe in a multiverse. Uni meaning one, and multi meaning many. So maybe we live in a set of infinite universes. 
And again, I just want to, before I ask the question, I just want you guys to remember, all you listeners out there, remember, until this point, we've demonstrated that a god must be the designer. This is the atheist way out, and this is the most common atheist way out of a god. You present this evidence to him, and again, this is besides all the other evidence for God. But this, this even in this particular proof, this is the way they're going to get out of it. And I'm going to present their, I'm going to Iron Man their, uh, their position. Maybe there's an infinite amount of universes. If there's an infinite amount of universes, then every universe must happen, not randomly. Must happen. And therefore, here we are. We're in this universe. So I guess in the, let's take it back to the lottery example. If you had, um, so the, the person running the lottery's wife wins, right? Which immediately pushes you towards, yeah, I'm going to believe it was rigged more than the one in a hundred billion chance right. um, that the wife happened to win. Um, and, and what if I say, well, no, you just happen to see, you know, one of the lotteries, but we do a hundred billion lotteries. So in one of them, there's going to be one where the wife wins and everybody's going to be like, ah, this was obviously rigged. But if you had seen the other you know, 99 billion, 99.99 billion lotteries, uh, you would understand that, you know, the wife doesn't always win. In fact, the wife only wins one out of the 100 billion times. Um, so if so, it's, it's you know, right, we're in a universe that is very, you know, seems very intenseful, but that's because you just have an experience because you can't experience because uh, you didn't end up in consciousness, but you haven't experienced the other, uh, you know, 100 trillion universes that existed in order to make this one possible, you know, probabilistic in the sense that it will happen automatically and therefore... Uh, you're not expecting a an, an intentful designer because it had to have happened. Yes, yeah, so that that would be the the question on this. So two things. First, um, I just want to like recap where Rob. I mean, you did this, but I think it's important. So you know, the atheist sort of uh, way of carrying himself, uh, the atheistic way of carrying oneself, is one where you feel a sort of intellectual smugness or eliteness over the the uh you know simple simple-minded religious folk i, I just want to point where we're up to in order to avoid god which if it was a nothing for you fine but in order to avoid god which i think for the average person was intuitive like it took us many thousands of years to wipe god out of the natural assumption of mankind so to say like you know that that's like totally out of the picture to even imagine it i, I think is a little crazy right um through science like we managed to knock out some of the original th assumptions that we thought could only be explained by God, but like we never knocked out the original things that can only be explained by God, like the origin of the universe itself or, or the high order of the universe, which is as old a proof, you know, as, as Abraham, our forefather thought of this proof of the teleological proof. So, um, but in order to get out of the God problem, they're positing, there must be infinite amount of universes that we can't see, can't observe, but they must be there because otherwise this would be a too low probability event in order to occur. So I, I just want to say at this point, if I'm if I'm looking at two people talking, and one of them goes, "Yeah, I believe in God," and the other one goes, "I believe in magical, infinite universes," um, one does not sound any more reasonable than the other. In fact, there's a lot of room to suggest one sounds far less reasonable. But the bigger problem is it doesn't answer the question. Let, let me say it like this: When you're walking through the forest, okay, let's go back to our stick example. You're walking through the forest, and you see sticks that fell out in a configuration of "Help, I'm lost in the forest." Why do you think? You believe in the multiverse, right? Why do you think that that was written by humans? Why don't you think that that was just the product of the multiverse? One of the universes is going to have, you know, a stick configuration that says help and lost. There's, you know, it's running through all the options. That's one of the options. There's an infinite amount of universes, so every universe is going to exist. So in one of them, there's going to be the configuration help and lost by sticks that fell randomly. Yeah, but there's only But if one, one second, if you would have predicted, um, I think somebody wrote that, I think you'd be right in this world. Why would you be right? 
What about the multiverse? Well, because majority of universes have sticks falling, and the universe would function perfectly with it falling in many different ways. But let's imagine... Wait, one second. So there's a... Because you're saying there's a probability attached to the stick being um, arranged. Well, I'm saying more than that. I'm saying... Let's just take your example but change one variable. Let's say that... If the sticks fall out in any other way than help, I'm lost in, in in the forest, the entire universe would cease to be. And then we found the sticks in that order. Then I'd be like, yeah, it probably fell randomly, but this was the only way it could have fallen that I'd still be here. So, like, you know, back in terms of the proof, let's say I said that there's an infinite amount of universes, but only one of them could create conscious life based on the laws that are randomly generated by this multiverse. So, yeah, whoever's in that final result would be like, ooh, this was, you know, one in a infinite chance or one in a trillion chance, whatever it is. But, of course, they'll be asking that because he's the, he's the lone survivor. But anybody who survived that would be asking the same question. So your stick analogy, I feel, is a little bit flawed because in your stick analogy, there's a bunch of different, let's call it, universes where sticks fall uh, randomly and we're still here. And therefore, or even I'm, other occurrences in this universe where sticks fall randomly. Right. Therefore, the fact that I'm alive doesn't suggest that the sticks must have fallen that way no, by but, themselves. But why alive? The, you found the sticks that way, though. I did find the sticks that way. You found the sticks in the order and of those, help them lost. So why, why isn't that proof that the multiverse randomly put it there? Because they could have been put by anybody. If I, there's no chance somebody put them there, then yeah. I would say that. Okay. So as long as there's a chance somebody put them there, you'd pick that chance over the extremely low probability the multiverse popped it into existence. Yes. Okay, so let's take our universe again. Whatever the chance the multiverse popped our universe into being a functioning way, if God is more probable than that, which means God is not a one in a hundred trillion chance, it's like a, whatever it is, a 10% chance, a, it might be chance, then it's still more reasonable for you to conclude that the world you're in was created by a God who could have done it then by the multiverse popping it out, even if there's going to be one where there is a multiverse. And I'm going to add another step to this, but even if there's one where there is going to be a multiverse. So let's say, for example, I'll give you a good example. Let's say you're at a firing range, and there's a thousand highly trained Navy SEAL snipers, okay, aiming at you at the distance of 10 feet. Seems like an unlikely event. I'm not even sure you could fit a thousand snipers into a distance of 10 feet. They're very skinny snipers. Seems unlikely. Okay, go okay. on. And um, they all take aim at you. The chance of them all missing, the chance of them all missing, would it, it, you know, is infinitesimally low. Okay. Now, let's say you knew that perhaps they called off and they wanted to miss you. They wanted to miss because you're a Navy SEAL. There's a chance of that. Let's say it's one in a thousand. Well, there's always a chance they didn't want to kill you. We'll say one in right. a million. One in a million. One in a you're, you're assuming it's that chance over the ch- the probability that they all missed. Even though if they had all missed, there would be a person who would go, well, they all missed, so that's why I'm alive. Right, and I bet that person would be an atheist also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he would say that. But, but Well, we're in a multiverse. One of the universes everybody missed. We're probably in that one. Right, okay, so I, I hear that. And I, I meaning, can... meaning as long as I have a way, a more reasonable way to explain it wasn't random... 
then I'm not going to explain it's random. It, the saying the multiverse doesn't handle the actual argument. The actual argument is if I have a way of saying it's random and incredibly unlikely or a way of saying it's not random and more likely, I'm going the not random more likely than the random very unlikely. Okay, to a certain degree, right? If it's like, you know, because you have to know what is the probability it could have not been random. But to a certain degree, if there's a certain degree of reasonableness to say maybe got interfered, then you're going to pick that over the incredibly low likelihood. For example, let's say in one of the universes we had the sea splitting, right? We had the creosynopsis, the splitting of the Red Sea, the Jews left Egypt, split the Red Sea. Now, let's say an atheist at that point goes, ah, hand of God, I don't see no hand of God, I see hand of the multiverse. He'd be laughed at of that multiverse. In fact, it wouldn't be a universe in the multiverse we wouldn't be laughed at. <laughs> because, because that's the most ridiculous thing to say, because to, to assume you're the one multiverse thing that... that happened to split the sea and then you go well if, if you didn't see the sea split then you never would have asked the question well why am i in the universe with the sea split because again if it's still more reasonable that a god made the sea split then you're in the multiverse where you happen to be in the one with the sea split then you're gonna go with that multiverse does not lower the odds so when you have to ask your question which one am i in am i in the low odd or the high odds i'm going with the high odds so if god's a higher odd than one in a million trillion or whatever the high number is you're going with that just like with the sticks you're going to go with somebody ordered those sticks because it's so unlikely that you're in the one universe where somebody had those sticks now i want to add one more point we don't even know if there's a multiverse that would be even if we knew there was a multiverse right like take your analogy there, there, you're, there's, a, there's 100 million doors in front of you. Only one of them, you will come out alive. If you walk through the door and you come out alive and you knew there's a one in a million chance that somebody came and saved you, you're going to pick the one in a million chance that somebody saved you Then you walked in the door that's a hundred, one in a hundred million that you randomly came out alive. That's when you know there's a hundred million doors and one of them you'll come out randomly alive. You still won't pick the random one because there's a much higher probability somebody interfered with this door experiment. Now, let's say you only walk through one door. And you came out alive. And then somebody came to you and they said, you don't see it, but there's really a hundred million other doors. Why would you die? What? <laughs> walking through this door. Sorry, you walked through a door and you came out alive. And somebody said, you know, that was a one in a hundred million chance of walking through that door alive. But guess what? There's another hundred million doors and you just happened to walk through. And that's why you're coming out and saying, well, I guess I'm alive because I walked through it. That would be ridiculous. No, I would say, I guarantee this door is not a death door. I don't think this was a hundred million door. So too with the universe. I see this universe, and a guy goes, you know, this universe could only come out one in a hundred trillion. The only way this universe comes out this way is one in a hundred trillion. You know what the other option is? It was created by a god. Well, I'm going to go one in a hundred trillion, and there's probably a multiverse, and I probably won the lottery of the multiverse. That would be ridiculous. It, you don't even need to say how ridiculous it is. But that's current, you know, atheistic thought. So there's one more point, which I think I'm going to cover on my own. But it is possible to say mathematically that if there's an infinite amount of universes, um then there's nothing that's more likely than anything else. In other words, you wouldn't let's say something's a one in a million chance to happen. So if you have infinite amount of universes, you might think, okay, well then there's a one in a million of these universes which have it. But if it's infinite, then it's infinite versus infinite. Um, now I'm not sure if, if mathematics agree with this. If they don't agree with this, then perfect. If they do agree with this, then then the question again is very simple. If there's an infinite amount of universes, then no one event can be described as any less likely than any other event, because even, let's say, it's a one in a million chance, that one in a million, you have to multiply the, the numerator and the denominator by infinite, which means it's infinite over infinite, which means it's just as likely to occur as any other thing. One in two, one in ten, they're both infinite over infinite. And let me just spell that they're out. It would happen. be just as likely tomorrow that you wake up with eight arms well, and that's, that's a half frog as you are the way you are. 
Yeah, that's the answer. Uh, that's that's already the the problem with this. If you believe in the multiverse of infinite universes, and this is the way mathematics understand it, or that's the way mathematics work. I don't I mean, know. I don't really true. care. If it's not, we don't have a question. If it is true that infinite amount of universes make everything equally as likely, then for an atheist to actually believe that option over a god would be to believe that every single occurrence is equally as likely as the next, such that he can wake up tomorrow and the sun would be rising in the west and setting in the east. You can have splitting of the sea. You can have revelations at Sinai. You can have the ten plagues. You can have the mana falling from the sky. You can have all of the miracles of the Bible and the atheist would still be like, yeah, well, uh, anything's possible. It's a multiverse. But not only that, it's, a multi- it's, it's very a- odd that he wakes up every morning and isn't shocked that he's still in his body, you know, functioning the way the universe did the other way. Oh, well, that's just a psychological trick that humans play on themselves in order right. to function, to, like free will and uh, Right, so if that if that line of thinking, which, again, you can't logically disprove, just like you can't logically disprove that we're all, you know, just uh, having illusions well, and sim- don't have logical minds that can't figure out right. truth. But if you think that um, that sounds more reasonable or rational than, you know, the poor, simple-hearted religious person who just, you know, looks at the universe and goes, hmm, I think, uh, I think this suggests a God, then, uh, you know, I don't, you know, enjoy your intellectual supremacy, you know. Right. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's switched from God of the Gaps to uh, Multiverse of the Gaps, which is being used to explain the, well, pretty much everything at this point. So, there, yeah, there is one more problem, which I just want to mention, which is, this is asked a lot, if we're saying that complexity implies a designer, then wouldn't that designer be the most complex and require a designer of his own? It's a, almost a similar question to the first cause proof of doesn't every effect need a cause and wouldn't that cause be an effect of a different cause and so on. But anybody who understands what we understand a God to be really based on the first cause proof, we'll understand how it gets out of this problem. The same way it gets out of the first cause problem. And I also just want to point out that um, asking a question of, well, wouldn't the designer be irreducibly complex in order that you would need another designer, doesn't handle the proof. All you're saying is, I also accept your proof. I don't understand a resolution. And what you or what I understand your resolution to be isn't resolution either. Fine. So you don't like my resolution. That means we have a problem. We need a designer. You don't understand how the designer could work out? Fine. I, I have a way to make it work out. You sit and talk with me, we'll figure out a way to make it work out. But at least you understand the problem, you understand the proof. The proof means we need a solution that's not complex. Okay, but what you offered was too complex to be on its own, which means you know the world cannot exist on its own. You know the universe cannot have come out by itself. You don't understand how it could have come out with a god? Okay, that's a different question. That's not an answer. Right, and I do plan on talking to you about that very question at a later conversation uh, so thank you so much for joining me, Avi. This was a very enlightening conversation for me, and I hope for the listeners as well. No problem, anytime.